Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Things That Charlie Did, Chapter 25. His nerves were calmed by only the surroundings and the peace they brought. The prayer, he said, had helped even more. One by one, those waiting to fulfill their appointments were eventually gone. According to his Rolex, he had been waiting for almost two hours when the final person left the embassy, leaving him and the receptionist sitting and waiting. She answered the elaborate-looking phone system that sat on her desk with routineness, answering, transferring, connecting, this one to that one, sometimes in Spanish, but other times in English, and once he thought even heard her speak a little French. When she spoke English, though, that Texas accent was unmistakable, puzzling. She looked Hispanic, golden skin, bright round brown eyes with deep, dark, long lashes. Her hair was colored into that popular dark, dark purple that a lot of the young girls were wearing. She was young, but pushing 30. Now, with the waiting room empty, Charlie's curiosity got the best of him. Pardon me, he started politely. I couldn't help but notice, but, well, you seem to have a Texas accent when you speak English. He waited for a response, but none came. You sure are a long way from Texas, he said. She smiled and didn't take offense to the comment at all. A call came in. She held her finger up. It's the universal symbol for, wait a minute, no matter what language is being spoken. Once her attention was back on Charlie, she seemed happy to discuss the origin of her Texas twang. I grew up in Houston, she said. I went to the University of Houston and decided to come back here. I'm not sure I'm going to stay, though. Her gaze now drifted down. It must have been a topic that was heavy on her mind. She quickly picked up, though, with the previously happy mood. You're from the States, I'm sure. Where? California, he said. I've never been to California, she said, but I'd like to go. You know, mingle with the stars. There aren't any stars in Texas, asked Charlie. Well, there's at least one. He was referring to the fact that Texas is called the Lone Star State. The joke flew at least 10 feet over her head. She struggled to respond. Uh, I heard Chuck Norris is from Houston, you know, Walker, Texas Ranger, but it always seems like they're in Dallas on his show. You know who he is? Charlie had some vague recollection of what she was talking about. He'd never seen the show, though. It didn't matter. He wasn't going to have to respond. The phone buzzed. It was that same sound he had heard before people would leave their seats and go back into the office of the embassy. The ambassador's secretary will see you now, second door on the left, said the young lady. Smiles were exchanged, and Charlie walked past the desk into the second door on the left as instructed. There he was met by a heavyset, very professionally dressed Hispanic woman. Her bright blue dress and yellow scarf, along with ruby and diamond brooch, was not what he was expecting from a secretary. Neither was her lavishly decorated office. It was clear 
from the start that this was no secretary in the traditional sense of the word. She obviously had a lot of pull. Charlie Duncan, she asked, with a slightly accented English. Her tone was as professional as her look. The smile, only because you're supposed to do that when you're a professional meeting someone for the first time. The one pump, slightly firm, but mostly gentle handshake followed. I'm Zola Cantu. Please come in and be seated, she said. Charlie responded with an equally professional, pleased to meet you, and sat in one of the white high-backed cloth and cherry wood chairs that faced the ambassador's secretary large desk. Now what can we do for you today, Mr. Duncan? Charlie then began to explain that he was looking for Maria. He explained to the woman that she had been a teacher in Mexico and had come to El Salvador to teach. The family only knew for sure that she had gone through the Mexican embassy to get her teaching job, but they hadn't heard from her since she left. Zola Cantu sat patiently at her desk waiting for Charlie to finish. She seemed interested in the entire story. When Charlie finished, though, she fired rapid-fire questions like a lawyer talking to a witness on the witness stand. Charlie recognized the point of her questions immediately, being a lawyer and all. Are you a Mexican citizen, she asked. No. How old did you say Maria is? Charlie responded to each of her rapid-fire questions. I understand she's an adult, but are you two married? Asked the woman. No, he said. So, Charlie, are you saying that she's traveled abroad on her own will? Well, yes, said Charlie. Is she in danger? Asked the woman. Well, I'm not sure. Is that a no or a yes? She said firmly. I don't know, he said. None of us do. She hasn't written, and Mr. Duncan, she's an adult. She certainly isn't required to write letters to anyone. And for that matter, we are not a matchmaking service. Charlie was offended and angry, but decided that holding his temper would be the best move. Ms. Cantu turned her chair away from Charlie and faced a computer terminal that sat on a second desk just for that purpose. She tapped, examined the screen, jotted down some notes on a legal pad that sat conveniently next to her computer screen, then turned back to Charlie again. Mr. Duncan, she said, in her professional voice again, Maria did gain employment through the embassy as a teacher. Unfortunately, that's really all I can tell you. The rest of the information is confidential. You can't tell me what town she's in, asked Charlie. Miss Cantu leaned back in her chair. Please put yourself in my position, she said. I can't just be giving out personal information or the whereabouts of someone who walks in here off the street. But I've made note to check and see if she's pleased with her job, you know, that sort of thing. Miss Cantu then stood clearly to indicate that her time with Charlie Duncan from California was over with. That's it. The end. Charlie could see he wasn't going to get anywhere with her. There was no sense in arguing. Dejected, Charlie skipped the formalities of the one-pump handshake and settled for have a nice day without the fake smile. His mind was empty of ideas of how to find Maria. This really had been his only shot at it. Maybe, 
Ms. Cantu, sitting there in her blue dress and yellow scarf, was right. Maria's an adult. She could write any time she wanted. The smell of potpourri hit him as he left the office and started back toward the receptionist's desk. She was busy taking calls when Charlie got to her desk. He smiled, not a fake smile, and gave her a gentle nod of the head. But before he could get past her desk, that universal signal for wait a minute revealed itself again. A pointed finger with nails painted stuck straight up. Charlie waited for her to finish on the phone as requested. How'd it go? She asked. Not very well, said Charlie. Sorry to hear that, she said. She sounded more like the result was what she had expected. Well, thank you for your help, though, said Charlie. He started to walk off. Look, I usually don't do this, said the purplish-haired young receptionist, but she jotted something down on a yellow post-it pad and handed it to Charlie. Charlie was floored when he read what it said. Maria Gomez, Bar in Cuela, Colombia. He wasn't even in the right country. How do you know this? Charlie asked in as much of a whisper as he could manage. Whispering in shock is difficult. The receptionist turned to make sure her boss, Mrs. Cantu, was out of earshot. She was hired through this embassy to teach high school English in Colombia. Mexico doesn't have an embassy in Colombia, asked Charlie. Yes, she responded, but we hire the teachers here and send them to teach all over Central America and South America, too. Maria was assigned to Colombia. I'm not even in the right country, said Charlie. Charlie could barely contain his voice to a whisper again. Well, she's in Colombia. The girl turned around again and looked to make sure her boss wasn't going to come up on her. This was clearly a conversation she wasn't supposed to be having. Thank you, thank you, said Charlie. You're welcome, she responded. The smile wasn't fake. Charlie headed out of the embassy, clutching the yellow post-it paper with the name of the place where Maria was. The hot Central American sun pounded him when he walked outside, its brightness causing him to squint until his eyes adjusted. It had been almost three hours since he'd left Carlos waiting for him in the parking lot of the embassy. Would he still be there? Hopefully so. Charlie gazed over the parking lot. Where was his car? Once more, he looked over the parking lot. It wasn't there. His car was gone and Carlos with it. Panic set in quickly. Alone, in a strange place, not even able to speak the language enough to get by was a bad position to be in. Again, Charlie glanced over the parking lot, looking to see if he had missed the car by some freak vision thing, but it was not there. It was really gone, unfortunately. Options, he thought to himself. The cogs in his brain were spinning quickly. He could go back into the embassy and try to use the phone there to get another car. He could also ask the receptionist if she had some suggestions. Just as he was contemplating what to do, a large jumbo jet with its wheels down rumbled and roared directly overhead and was dropping into its landing. He was close to the airport, 
A third option presented itself. He could just walk to the airport. The destination now had turned to Columbia, and a car wouldn't do him much good anyway. He could deal with the car situation once he'd found Maria. He liked that option best and started off on foot toward the direction that the plane had been flying. Judging by how low the plane was, he couldn't have been far from the airport. Pointed in the same direction as the plane, he took off on foot. It was only a block or so before he was drenched in sweat. The sun was causing the heat to swelter as it bounced off the dirty concrete sidewalks and streets. There wasn't going to be any relief either. A glance toward the sky indicated there were no clouds in sight. He couldn't think of anything more uninviting as the burning sensation of heat on his sweaty face. As cars passed, the tiny microscopic grit that their rear wheels kicked up into his face made the situation even worse. Cars sped by on the streets beside him at lightning fast speeds despite the fact the posted speed limits were only 30 kilometers per hour. He was able to catch only glimpses of the cars coming toward him. The traffic that came up from behind whined at first, swished by, and was visible for a few moments before the next car did the same thing behind him. The traffic was thick, fast, and he had to walk dangerously close to it in spots where no sidewalks were provided. Still, he pressed on toward the airport. Another plane followed the same path as the first, giving him reassurance that he at least was going in the right direction. So he pushed onward. Occasionally, when there was no sidewalk, cars coming from behind would lay on the horns. The shrill sounded strange as it approached and passed. The pitch of the shrill grew louder as it zoomed toward him, then reached an eardrum-busting sound as it was even with him. When it passed, it slowly went away as the driver finally figured the danger of the man walking down the street, stepping in front of them, had passed. One such approaching horn didn't sound like the others. Instead of the usual long burst of sound, there were several short bursts. The car was coming up on his left and behind him. He figured it was best just to keep walking. Charlie could hear the wheels slowing. The car's brakes squeaked ever so slightly as they were applied to slow down. Hey, you, mister, a voice was shouting at Charlie from the car. He turned to see who it was. It was Carlos driving Charlie's missing rented car. Charlie stopped to see what Carlos' next move was going to be. There was no sidewalk where he was walking. The roadside consists of strange mixtures of gravel and lush green grass. He considered just running, but something inside him told him not to. Carlos pulled the rented car along Charlie and leaned over to roll down the passenger side window. Other drivers, not happy with the car that had slowed to a stop in front of them, angrily raced by. Charlie, it's me, Carlos. What are you doing with my car? asked Charlie. Another car screamed by with the horn blaring. Hurry, get in, said Carlos. He
He opened the passenger side door from inside the car. Charlie hopped in, slammed the door, and looked at Carlos with a puzzled expression as he merged back into traffic and got up to speed. Carlos, what are you doing with my car? asked Charlie. I went to go get something to drink. It was hot outside, he said. You left the keys. I didn't think you would care. I came back and waited some more. Charlie believed him. The poor guy had to have been roasting out there in the car for that long. Even with both windows down and the breeze running through the car from its speed, the interior was very uncomfortable. Did you get what you needed at the embassy, he asked. Sort of, responded Charlie. Sort of, asked Carlos. I don't know what that means. Well, it means yes and no, said Carlos. I found what I was looking for, but it seems as if I'm in the wrong place. Where do you need to be? asked Carlos. Well, I need to be in Colombia, said Charlie. Colombia? Colombia, you heard right. Well, this is not Colombia, Carlos giggled at Charlie's predicament. He needed to figure out a flight to Colombia. Then he got to thinking, Carlos could probably use some extra money for that wife and daughter. Would it be possible to consider him going to Colombia with him? He'd known him for only the afternoon, but his gut feeling after the situation with the car was that he could probably trust him. Carlos, he said, find a place to park and let's talk for a minute. I've got a proposition for you. Thank you for joining us. Join us next time as we continue with Things That Charlie Did. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.